Hey, this is Jason. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Book Watch Knobs, the only watch podcast that had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend that I had in February of last year. You have made it all the way to episode 220, motherfucking six, with super special guest, TBWS contributor extraordinaire, Jason. Hello. 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 Hi, Kaz. <laughs> this is surreal. Why? We're doing a never, show, man. I never thought I'd be on the podcast. We we were we're we're gonna do whippets and then we're gonna jump on air. That's how. <laughs> that's how we. That's how we planned the show. I'm too fucking old for whippets. I turned 35 in like two two or three weeks, dude. Yep, I'm right up there with you. Are, are whippets still cool? What are kids doing now? Are they just are they just doing meth at 10? I don't even know. I have no idea. That's really, I think, what's starting to make me feel old because I never thought this would happen. I, I don't know what's cool anymore. I don't know what the kids are doing. What drugs are cool? Is airplane glue black? I don't I don't understand. Like, what's cool now? This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Jason and I have a lot of really cool topics to talk through, um, but I would very much like to, I guess, frame what this episode is. This is actually a really, really interesting episode because, Jason, your perspective on this is super interesting um, just in relation to, like, I guess – like my watch journey, your your proper old school OG TBWS. I mean, there are a handful of of you. You've you've been following the show and you've been with the show and you've been helping the show and helping the site for a long time. You know. Yes, I still have. We'll get into it when we do the wrist check. But I still have the first email I wrote you and Mike. It's it's embarrassingly long. <laughs> Just and you got you you responded. So that was the genesis of our relationship so That's i still sad. have that well well here let's let's do this um oh yeah i i i next to say what the name of the fucking episode was episode 226 of the mother hump and two broke watch house podcast the grail now what dot 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 question mark um and i think this is mainly framed in reference to the to my uh final acquisition of this grand seiko and just the concept of a grail um also, I mean, you could even extrapolate this to my Slava Medical, which I no longer have. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So um, this is going to be very much uh, a discussion episode. If you're here for the top five dive watches to wear to NASCAR, just fucking go listen to something else or whatever. <laughs> honestly, um, this is going to be on. This is it's going to be two two overeducated watch nerds talking about their feelings and the concept of orological, you know. Completion. I guess. That's that's correct. <laughs> that's basically where we're at. But let's do this for the two hundred twenty-sixth time on this show. Jason, would you like to do an audio restart with me? I'd be honored, sir. Here, you you go first. I'm I'm obviously talking way too fucking much. No, you're fine. This is okay. So I'm wearing the watch that started it all. This is an Invicta I Force. Yes. I will get a picture somewhere. I think the Slack seen it. It's basically just a 42 millimeter PVD black, orange and black casual piece, but it's mechanical. And my wife got this for my birthday in 2017. And at the time, I didn't really know about mechanical watches at all. Right. So for whatever reason, I opened the box and I must have moved the watch enough that it was running. So I set the time and it was going. And then I put it down. We were talking. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then enough time must have elapsed that when I picked it up again, it had stopped. And I was like, oh, no, the battery must be dead or something. Right. And 
so I started fiddling with it and I happened to turn it over and it has an exhibition exhibition case back and it's powered by a NH35 Seiko mechanical movement. And my brain in that moment just broke basically because I guess I knew mechanical watches existed, but I didn't really fully wrap my head around how cool having a machine that small in yeah. in a watch is. And so being the real weird nerd that I am, I read the instruction, basically the whole manual to the watch, like covered front to back like twice. Right. And I was like, oh, I can wind it. Wait, this is the coolest thing. And I'm winding it. And yeah. Here we are. Now I'm on uh, a podcast with you. I have a watch YouTube channel. So it was, uh, I don't think she ever knew what was going to happen when she got me that watch. And I like to think that a, there's a sad alternative universe mm. where she got me a quartz watch where none of this happened. <laughs> we are not having this conversation. We're not having this conversation. What's what, what's interesting to me, what I don't think a lot of folks realize when... Uh, Sometimes when you're trying to figure out what watch to purchase next, the watch is really not what you're actually focusing on. What you described, that sort of eye-opening, almost high of experiencing the concept of mechanical watch and understanding how it works and wearing essentially this machine on your wrist, that's the feeling that everyone's trying to recreate and chase Whenever they fret over what watch to get next, I, at least in at least that's I shouldn't apply it to everyone. You know, it's just that's just me being an asshole. That's how I felt for a long time. I was just trying to chase feelings that I experienced for the first time, in the very beginning of watch collecting. Uh, it took me a long time to really try to like not recreate that kind of feeling. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, I'm in the exact same way. I think yeah. it's a, there's a little bit of universalism of that through like every hobby. I think whenever yes. you first get into a hobby, the world is so new. Like I equate what I have a more mature hobby, I would say in craft beer. And mm -hmm. what I always tell people is like, it doesn't matter where you are. Like people are like, Oh, what beer should I drink? Cause they know like I'll chase all these experiences in beer. And I'll say like, wherever you are on your journey, like you have to absorb that and love that because I yeah. wish I could forget everything. The only thing that gets me excited in beer is basically like, I need barrel aged unicorn blood at this point to, <laughs> to like even feel anything. And that's not where you want to be. So <laughs> that's like the black tar heroin of, of like, of like, of like, like, Oh, I started with like, you know, a little bit of pot. Now I have to have like the craziest fucking, like, like, you know what I mean? You develop a, what's the word? Um, it's a D word. Desensitiz a D D you're desensitized to your percent. Chasing, you're chasing, yeah. and it happens in watches too. I had the same kind of experience, like I think most people do. But I was suddenly like, oh, like I want to know about like every different movement, and mm -hmm. like you just don't know anything. Like I remember scrolling Instagram, and I didn't know how what the price of any watch was, and it, th that was blowing my mind. Like I remember I saw a Tudor black flag, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh wait, this is why is this five thousand dollars? So I, <laughs> oh it's just God. like the whole universe is new and everything is exciting, and ultimately that's going to go away in any hobby. But it's as part of it is painful when it does. It's true. well. The thing is, you have to come to terms with the fact that you'll never experience the same thing the same way again as you progress. It's kind of like we were talking about in the pre-talk, like the whole idea of not just the urological collector's journey. And we can talk about this on the actual main topic, but whatever, this is our show, we do what we want. But it's it's something that, it's, it's, it's congruent in any sort of collecting niche. It's that you collect in the same way your perspective and perceptions evolve as a person. And the reality is, unless you're a fucking corpse, 
you're basically a different person every week. Like, not to say that like one day you like vanilla ice cream and the next day you hate vanilla ice cream. Not like that, but like you are informed by your experiences every single day and every single week. So how am I supposed to recreate something I experienced two years ago when I've had two years worth of everyday experiences that have made me a different person? Like, it's just, it's just weird. And it's a little bit of like, like over pontificating, but it, I needed to say that to myself to realize I have to stop chasing that experience. Like, so another, another good collecting example, um, before watches, it was comic books for me. Um, and I had to fucking stop that because I wasn't one of those like digital comic persons. Like I literally would go like every Wednesday or whatever the day is now, I think they fucking changed it on me and I would go and get new books. And I would read them once like physical books. I would read them once and I put them in a long box and there they sat. To the point where every time my wife and I moved, which we used to move a lot, a quarter of my shit was just heavy boxes of like comic books. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but when I first got into comic books, I my I have a huge affinity for like street level um, Marvel heroes, particularly uh, like Daredevil. I'm a huge Daredevil fan. Back in the day when I really started getting into it, I'll, I had this moment of just incredible wonder as I would go to a long box, I would look for Daredevil comics, and I would go to the oldest section of them, like the oldest books they had, and I would go through and see all of these incredible old, really beautiful covers for the first time ever. And every single time I flipped through the book, it was a new discovery. Like, oh, this cover's awesome. Oh, this is badass. What's this one about? After like a couple years of doing that, I didn't get that feeling anymore. I would go, I would go to the oldest section, I would flip through and be like, nope, 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 haven't <laughs> seen this yet, nope, nope, nope. And then I would just kind of like be frustrated, like, oh, fucking, this sucks. You know what I'm saying? But that's just because I was trying to do the same thing I did when I was fucking green. It doesn't work. It, it'll never work. It'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, which, I, I apologize, I'm fucking talking all over your wrist check, bro. Which Invicta is this? I'm trying to Google it. Oh, it's the... I don't think it exists anymore. I still have the Amazon link to it. Let me see if I can send you that. But the it's in it's called an Invicta iForce Automatic, and it's the orange one. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the link on the Slack. Just misspelled iForce. It's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> All right. See if you can click that, and it will say the product is no longer available. But that's it. Let's see. It has oh. this horrible strap that's like braided leather. It looks like it, it looks like those old braided belts that were like really shitty that like people had. Yes. And the, yeah. I think the review is still up. So, yes, my wife purchased this watch because of there's only two reviews, but she purchased it because of this top review here where this person said that I purchased this watch on a lark. What the hell is a lark? What does that mean? Uh, like almost like. Just kind of for funds for, for oh like 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 randomly yeah. like on a like like a wild hair I decided to just randomly buy this okay yes and he wrote this like eight paragraph report about it <laughs> and she read I mean, that and was like this is cool she was just basically looking for something orange because that's my favorite color right and I don't think she knew she was buying a mechanical watch either for per se this thing's actually kind of cool I can see, I can understand the appeal. If someone was just buying a gift for someone else and they knew that person liked a particular color or like a particular color with a high contrast against like 
a negative space, so this thing is all black except the orange. Oh yeah, people see. love this watch. I put it on a um, I have it on. A, I found a PVD like bracelet that matches perfectly. I get mm -hmm. more compliments on this and questions about this watch than any watch I've ever worn. So that's so good. You still have it. I'm wearing, wearing it right wearing, now. You're wearing it right now. Oh my god, that's so freaking cool, man. I love this thing. Cherish it. Yeah, I'm keeping it forever. It's right? in the, heir, the heirloom box. Oh, it's like that's like my Seiko SNK. It's first watch I ever got. Although I. I bought that watch with Michael's help. So like I knew I was getting like a mechanical watch and all that stuff. But like, actually I had that revelation on a past episode, similar to what we talked about before, where it's like, um, what was it? The last watch we'd ever sell. It was something that Michael and I did that. Yes. I remember and that. That's Seiko SNK. I literally said, this is the last watch I would like, I would sell everything <laughs> before yeah. I sold my SNK. Because every watch experience I've ever had and every watch experience I chase is informed by my first experience with my little Seiko SNK. So that's the thing, yeah, that's your first your first watch that makes you fall for it is your dragon, and you'll forever be chasing that dragon. <laughs> so you can't you can't kill your dragon. No, you can kill your darlings, but you can't kill your dragons. That's so good. I gotta stop making that Faulkner quote on the show. I feel like Michael and I say it all the time on here. Uh this so pretty badass. What are you wearing, Kaz? I'm still wearing my fucking. I'm still. I'm doing the stupid no change November with all the other knuckleheads in the slack. <laughs> yeah, they're all. They're all looking up to you. They're all looking up to you. I don't know if that. I. I. I assume this just being done facetiously with hints of irony. I don't think anyone's actually. I think it's more people like doing the mommy Kaz, daddy Mike thing. Less about me, but more because they get to call Mike Daddy Mike. That's true to a certain extent, but <laughs> I will say you're you are quite a disciplined collector. It's because I don't like myself. You'd be amazed what you can do if you don't like yourself. <laughs> like no, like <laughs> leg legitimately, like I, you know, it's. Um, I tell people this all the time. Every. The greatest path you can take to success is to be too stupid to stop. Like, obviously, I'd like to wear some other watches, but I have this thing in my head where I'm going to wear this watch for a month. So at my own fucking detriment, because I'm about to go on vacation, I didn't want to bring this watch on vacation. I wanted to bring my fucking Omega Seamaster. But at the detriment of my own fucking vacation watch, I'm too stupid to quit. So I'm going to see this thing through. <laughs> But it's discipline. I don't see it as stupidity. I see it as discipline and self-control. Because I didn't even try to participate because I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only I'm I'm using I'm using stupidity as like a like an ironic humor shield. It's more like you have to not give in to placating your self-comfort. Because okay. if I give in to self-comfort now, my long-term idea of the goal is lost. You know what I, I mean? See. Yes, I see. It's um, it's really applicable um, to like to like business, to like business ideas. It's super cliche, but everyone's like, "Oh yeah, the only businesses that don't make it are the ones that you know don't quit." And it's just like, well, the last part of that is they're too fucking stupid to quit. Like you and I are going to talk about Rivka at, at the end of the show. This is a great example of that, actually. Basically, like, and I'll talk about Rivka more specifically. But if you're starting a business. You start a business and you get to the point where you start have to sacrificing like home life, you know, maybe your actual regular day job stuff. And it gets to the point where 
you have to be too stupid to put those things ahead of your business for your business to succeed. If you actually have to be too stupid to, to know when it's in your best interest to quit in the short term. You know what I mean? No, actually, that doesn't make sense. And then upon your success, you'll realize you've devoured everything you actually love. Yeah. And it's all meaningless. And you should have just spent time with your family. I should have just spent time with my fucking <laughs> wife. You know, that's that's the tale is all this time, you know, but it's but it's 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 all good. Um, what the fuck? I live across from a church and uh, I guess someone's getting married and they just came up in a horse drawn carriage. So that's amazing. Azeltov, bitches. That's pretty fucking cool, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm wearing the Grand Seiko. I'm still wearing this thing. I'm going to be wearing it you know, for the <laughs> for the rest of the month. I will say this is not a hard watch to wear for an entire month. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to really twist my arm. The only kink in the plan is the is my uh, I'm going on vacation for the first time in a long time. So that'll be that'll be fun. But I wanted to bring my Seamaster. But um, we're going to have a review on the site up by the time people actually hear this episode. Go and check it out. I'll actually talk about like grails and shit like that on the review. But um, yeah, you got to see this thing in person, man. Next time I'm over there or um, in like 10 years or so, whenever shit quiets down, if you're ever over here, you got to see this thing. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, Grand Seiko is, I have had the pleasure of handling a few, and mm-hmm. they cannot be understood unless you hold one in your hands in person. It just, whatever it is, does not come through in video or pictures. Mine freaks people out because it's titanium and it's like super light. Yes, okay. Like it really, like, like I, I was hanging out with Baird um, when I was sort of in his neck of the woods like a couple of weeks ago, and I hand him the watch, and the first thing, he gets in his hand and he looks at me and he goes, Fuck, it's light. I'm like, yeah, it's just titanium. It's just you super should, light watch. You should tell people it's made out of mithril or whatever. It's out of a mithril. Yeah, from uh, from Lord of the Rings. Mine's a Moria. Warden mithril. Sorry. Um, I could. No, I mean, that's... Elven, Elven mithril, excuse me. That's uh, That was its property, right? It's like super light. So you make a sword out of it and you're super like... Super light, durable. Yeah. I love yeah, it. So you have a magic watch, basically. I have a magic watch. I have a, my favorite part about this watch. And I mentioned this in the, re- in the reviews. Like one of the deciding factors of me getting this watch is the fact that it's a Grand Seiko quartz watch. Suck it, nerds. You yes, know that, that is a quartz. That is the quartz flex. Well, it's the and if you're going to get a quartz watch, I feel like you got to get one from Seiko or maybe Citizen. I I flagged I flagged three of what I, con- I constitute as like the top quartz watch, like the finest quartz watch movements that I could get. It's this one, it's the Chronomaster um, from Citizen, and then um, that super thermo-compensated quartz movement by Breitling, which is like weirdly underappreciated, I feel like. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm not even familiar. I wouldn't even think of that, so I'll have to look into that one. It's pretty wild. Michael and I have talked about it, I think, I think uh, we did an episode on quartz watches and we talked about that. Like, just the... The amount of shit that just gets, it goes into that quartz watch, it's just like, or that quartz movement, it's just odd that, that I guess more folks don't get excited about it, but I don't know. But yeah, this is an incredibly long and bewildered wrist check, so that's my bad band. But yeah, I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing this Grand Seiko 9F Quartz SBG V233. Uh, it's a JDM model. I got it from Seiya Japan. I will I will be honest with anyone if you're seriously considering like a Grand Seiko purchase or even an Orient Star purchase or even a fucking Citizen Chronomaster purchase like just just go to say Japan. Every experience I've had has been awesome. 
Like he got me this watch. It wasn't even on his fucking website. You know, that's that's really cool. And yeah. I've only heard like excellent stuff. So, right. I haven't heard a bad experience in Saya like mentioned in the same sentence. So, oh my god, yeah, I'm drinking the weirdest fucking soda. Ugh, sorry. Yep. There's a there's a Colombian like like bakery here in town, and they have a bunch of not like gluten free stuff. So I've been going there a bunch, and I got a like, soda from there. It's like apple flavored, but it's like Jolly Rancher apple flavored, and it's really just. I keep sipping it because it's carbonated, but I'm gonna stop drinking it now. Yeah, this sounds doesn't sound like the best flavor. For <laughs> it's just well, he's just like, oh, it's apple flavored. He didn't tell me it was apple candy flavored. I wanted apples. Apple candy, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm telling you, man. Sorry, I'm getting very distracted. But um, I'm super happy you're wearing you're wearing that watch. This is so good. You do you still have this strap? I do, but I don't wear it. It's it's super long, and I have a smaller wrist. So if I wear it, it just you know how the tail kind of <laughs> sticks out really far. The extra like dong is just like flat around <laughs> the back. Exactly. And it's yeah. not one that I can cut because it's like braided. So it would just fall apart. Oh, I'll just come undone. <laughs> ah, that sucks, man. I'm looking at it right now in this uh, in this thing. That's so cool. Um, let's see here. Where are we? Bam. Housekeeping items. You mentioned at the beginning of the show the YouTube channel. Yes. So my YouTube channel, well, it's funny because when I first emailed you, I kind of, I felt like I wanted to review watches mm-hmm. in some in some capacity. And you, I don't remember if you made the call out, but I wrote an email, the really long email I wrote to you. I still have it. It's up right now. I wrote, <laughs> writing reviews for the website, please consider my application. I will work for free. <laughs> that was the subject line. Um, and so I did that for the site. I wrote a number of articles and I really liked kind of being able to review stuff. But what mm-hmm. I realized is I hate writing articles. I hate it. Yeah. It's so much work. I'm not a very good writer. So then I'd have to have my wife basically like read it over and then I would change everything. But what I realized is I just started tooling around kind of making watch videos, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that is, comes to me so much easier. Like if I can just hold something and talk about it, I can right. get that. I can get that done in a tenth of the time it's going to take me to write an article. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm so I am just watches on YouTube. It's a very small channel. I just do it for fun. I have no aspirations. I don't. I think it's terrible. People, it's grown a ton. I think it's cool. It's grown a ton, man. You gotta give yourself credit. Yeah. I mean, I I get supported by the Slack a lot, which I love. They they're they're the Slack is wonderful they're so supportive they're always like they're always excited when i post a new video but yeah it's kind of fun because like the way i'm approaching it i'm just doing it i have no goal i'm not like oh yeah i'm gonna quit my day job for this like you know i'm just very realistic of like i'm just doing it for fun i put out a video a week um we we have a fun tie-in to the the channel because i think you you actually talked about the channel before you knew it was me because i I, had no idea it was you how funny is that shit (laughs) Yeah, I put the I I put the Seiko catalog leaked, and you I saw remember on a while website. back. Yeah, when that happened. Like there was a Seiko catalog leak, and it was this big deal. And Michael and I talked about it on air, and we used your video basically. Yes, and it's terrible. This is like before I had a good mic, and I basically just I wanted to just put it out there because I thought this is the early days. Like 
it's so sad starting anything like on YouTube now because there's so much competition. But you're just like putting things out and you're you're not you're not really growing. No one's paying attention to you. There's a thousand channels just like yours. So you're like desperately looking for something to like get attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's to I look at back on it and I'm like, oh man, that's so embarrassing. Why did I even try that? But for whatever reason, the Seiko catalog came out and I knew like, oh, sometimes people put like exciting news and that'll get a lot of clicks. So I kind of just like screen capped the catalog and gave my impressions on stuff. And for whatever reason, you guys saw it and then talked about it on air. Well, because we were looking around to try to find like like someone talking about it because like we on the last episode, Michael and I were talking about GPH, uh, GPHG stuff or whatever. And like we pulled up a Hodinkee article because we just needed we needed someone from authority like talking about it, sharing it, looking at images, blah, blah, blah. And that's what we did with your video during that leak. Which we got to find like a video of someone just talking about these things just so because we couldn't find any other visual reference that was like appropriate enough you know what i mean so like we we literally just found it on youtube that is so funny and then you guys were talking <laughs> about it and then i'm freaking out i'm like oh they're, they're using my video and then you said like seiko was gonna send ninjas to my house to assassinate no, oh my me. god and then i was like <laughs> oh maybe i should take this down so then i i i took it down and then seiko actually i think the only thing they didn't want leaked because they took the catalog down and then they put it right back up yeah, But the thing they took out was the Alpinist, the new Alpinist. Mm -hmm. So I think they were cool with everything else, but for whatever reason, they didn't want that out there yet. And so they corrected it. And it's it's funny. I feel bad. I don't I, I don't know like what part I played in this. Probably nothing. But there there hasn't they haven't put another catalog online since then. So I mean, we'll just, just, I mean I'm honestly, like what what you did and then just the experience of that thing being leaked, they probably just figured hey, we won't have any more leaks if we have nothing to leak. No more catalogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like because of the pandemic and stuff like that, they didn't do a catalog or whatever. Because I actually love looking through the catalogs. Um, it's one of the things I'll, I'll look for online when the catalogs come out because it's just kind of cool to see the them all the new watches and the full color pictures and they're, you know, they're marketing about it. So my favorite part about the story is the next day or like two days after when the show aired, you reached out and you said, hey, you know, I'm just watches. That was my video. I took it down. I thought you were fucking with me. I'm just like, I'm like why, of all the things to fuck with me on, why is he fucking me? And then I realized you were being serious. I'm just like, dude, why didn't you tell us you had a YouTube channel? We would, have, we would have been talking about it years ago. You know what I mean? And then like, and then you told me everything, you know, just starting out, want to keep it separate, all that stuff, you know? So um, yeah, I actually like, I like the channel a lot. Because um, you get you like seek out. You basically don't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You don't you don't say no to a review. You know what I mean? Or like if someone reaches out, that's my impression. Just because you have a lot of watches on here, I don't see in other places. I think it's oh. actually pretty badass. Yeah, I'll review anything. I think what actually gave my channel traction it has is I did a lot of Casio Edifice reviews mm -hmm. um, because there there are a few channels in the watch space because the watch universe is so big a lot like if you can get high-end stuff on your channel you're going to grow fast if you have high video production you're going to grow fast but i kind of want to just focus on stuff like people don't often cover and so i i think my number one video is some like you know some of these cheaper like 75 dollars casio oedipus models and just giving yeah. them like the full review treatment and that people tend to like that stuff so well, because it's also like you gotta you gotta remember like more people are probably looking for a Casio, 
like really looking for a Casio than they are a super high-end watch. So if literally more people are looking for it, that's more eyeballs that are going to potentially get in front of your video or get your, your videos getting in front of those people. Like it's literally more people are out there trying to actually buy a Casio than they are trying to buy a Rolex right now. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's just more people are going to see that stuff. Um, you've you've interacted with fucking watches. I would have loved to have interacted. I'm, I'm just looking at the channel right now. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Can I do some hot? Can, can, I, can I do some hot takes on watches you reviewed? If you remember them. Yeah, of course. Zelos or Zelos Hammerhead V3. I've, I'm intrigued by this brand. I've only handled one once. I want to get one, but I don't know if I should. How do you like this watch? Really high build quality. Um, I, the thing I like about Zelos is they really have their own design DNA. Yeah. You can tell something is Zelos. Like you don't. They could take the brand off all their watches, and you could tell. And then um, they do a lot of like high end stuff, which blows my mind. They'll have like five thousand dollar watches that actually sell out. So I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. They use. I think I don't remember what it's called, but if you poke around their website, their website is terrible. By the way, they really need somebody to do something about it's their a website. Mark of quality. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, it's so hard to it's so hard to navigate. But yeah, they'll do like very small runs of. They're sourcing super high end movements from you know other manufacturers, and then they're basically doing the rest of the elements. Um, but those sell out. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, I think Zelos is a good brand, and. It's playful, which was what I like about it, because I think in the micro brand space, I really like to see things that are playful. Like we have so many people chase, oh, I want to make like, you know, the Rolex something, you know, the the, right. the, 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 the diver. And it's like, you know, those, those classics have been handled for like 100 years now, maybe, you know, like do something silly. That's what I want to see. So I think and Zelos really rises to that occasion. They do like a lot of really fun colors yeah. and a lot of fun designs. For me, it's um, just you don't as a micro brand, you have the incredible luxury of not feeling like you have to take yourself too seriously. So don't take yourself too seriously. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. Like you can make a quality product and not be serious. It's like yeah. the, you guys talked about that most recent brew. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. That chronograph. It's so silly. Like it's the, so good. <laughs> they didn't even put their name on it. They put a coffee no. bean. Like that is the micro, to me, that's the micro brand. Like that, they have the soul of the micro brand. It's like make something that's high quality, but just super out there and express yourself. I love to see that. I'm always amazed the shit that um, John over a brew uh, just it's never felt like um, it always feels fresh when Brew Watch puts something out. You know what I mean? That's totally so good. Uh, another hot take. Another another watch I'm actually kind of curious on because I'm very much, you know, now now we're kind of going in a funny direction. I'm uh, I used to really want an actual old vintage version of one of these, but hot take. This Islander ISL 38 high beat dress watch. It's basically it's a Datejust. It's like a Rolex Datejust and like a Jubilee bracelet. It looks like right. Yes. How was that watch? I really like what Islander is doing. Mm -hmm. I think, I think Mark is a genius. Like I think as Seiko starts to back out of this market segment and kind of go up market, and I don't know all their business reasons for doing it. I have a feeling it's because this space is going to start get dominated by these types of watches. Um, I, you know, and I don't know, it's really hard to speculate on stuff like this because we're 
such a small percentage of the watch industry, like like really, you know, watch nerds that are going to have podcasts and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think I don't know how much Seiko even considers this at all. But, you know, when they stopped making the SKX and Mark just picked up and was like, well, I'll basically make it. And I know how people have mixed feelings on that. But like mm. as his business, he was pretty transparent that that's a lot of his business. So he's protecting his business interests. And I and and I love to see it's really cool to just kind of see his whole journey where he started just as a watch realtor, realtor re, uh, retailer. And retailer, now he has yeah. his own brand. It's 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 I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I like most of the Islander watches. Um, that one in particular, I wasn't a huge fan of. I think the quality really? is there and everything, but um, I don't know why he nails all the dive watches. And I really like his, um, he does really good on basically every style of watch, but I don't like the dress watches for some reason. I would really like to see him put a little bit more of a spin on it. But I think that watch is kind of targeting the space that the Sarb left behind. And there's nothing wrong with it per se. I just, that one didn't resonate with me um, personally, but that's probably just my own hang-up or whatever. But everything, I, right, everything else I've touched from them, I, I actually do like them. In particular, this one, this high-beat dress watch 38 thing, I I love the four, I love this canvas. I love the idea of like a like a Rolex. Was, I guess that technically isn't even a day or a day on it, but like it's it's trying to be a Rolex like oyster case, date just, day date, whatever the fuck. I love that sort of canvas it's the same reason why um have you seen the orient like versions of this watch of like the of the like like the orient day date blue dials have you do you know what i'm talking about the older ones the old ones yeah they don't make them anymore oh yeah those are highly sought after those are super cool i love those because it evokes that same date just thing and the only reason i have that in my head is because like that to me is that's like my dad's watch my dad's a one watch guy and it's it's a Rolex Datejust. So I don't know. For some reason, I am for I don't have that shit in my brain anymore. But for a long time, I'm like, I really just wanted to try to get like a cool, like birth year Datejust. And like, I, I think I've gotten that out of my system by now. But when I saw uh, Mark come out with these, it kind of intrigued me. I thought maybe it would scratch the itch. But that was also before I, you know, watch purged. <laughs> it kind yeah. of like changed, changed gears a little bit. Um, one last hot take. If you're cool. Yeah, go ahead. Actually, two. I have two. I have two. Yeah, two. Talk to me about this AV8 Flyboy. Is it, oh. is it, is it the first AV8 you've, you've, you've hung out with? Or have you done, yes. have you, have you done a bunch? How, okay, no. okay, perfect. How'd you like that one? So that one I did like. Um, AV8 is one of those brands where they are doing their own micro brand thing. It just mm -hmm. doesn't resonate with me at all. So, like, there's just... They're very loud and a lot of them are large, like large watches. Yes. So this one was the first one that just kind of looked like it was toned down. It was like, it's a Flieger um, and it has this cool pattern dial and it didn't have like a million things going on. So I liked this one um, and I wish they would do more of this stuff. I mean, I, I think they're just doing their own thing and I think Aviate does pretty well. I, I think most of their stuff sells out. Um, but yeah, this one in particular I liked because it it was they pushed the envelope on it because it kind of has this gold tone and it has this pattern mm. dial, but they didn't push it too far. So it's like a fun fleeger, um, but it wasn't over the top. Yeah. So I, it was like a perfect balance. I hear that. Yeah, Avia definitely has its own sort of design language. Kind of actually, it's actually really interesting. Similar to what we were saying. Um, 
with some watch brands, how like with Zealous, you could take the branding off and you can still tell, oh, that's a, that's a Zealous watch or Zealous. I apologize. Same thing kind of happens with AV8, uh, in my opinion. I don't have to see the logo to know it's an AV8, but it's almost like the bizarro version of that with Brew, where we're, every time uh, Brew watches release something, it feels like a Brew watch, but it still feels fresh. Every time AV8 releases something, no offense, AV8, it doesn't really feel fresh. It kind of just feels like the safe thing that they know the group of people who like them will always buy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think if you if you find your people, I think it's very difficult to shift off of that. Mm. So I it's it's one of the things I think about a lot in this kind of space we're in now, where if you can cultivate a group that's very interested in your product, whatever it might be, watches, the podcast, you don't need a very large group to help sustain you. So it's yeah. interesting to see that that's sort of what's happening now. Like Patreon was kind of onto it. And actually the Slack, I think TBWS was kind of like ahead of the curve on it. But um, there's a lot of stuff now like where, you know, you can join and you can get, you know, more intimate with the creators and all this stuff. So, yeah, I think you're right about Aviate, but I think they're pretty successful. So I think if they are find, successful. They're making money. Yeah, if you find your niche, I think it is difficult to be like, maybe you make one thing and test the waters out on, on one of the edges of what you're making. But I don't really blame them. I, if they're doing it, they're doing it. It's just right. most of them are too loud for me. Interesting. All right. Uh, okay. I, I like two two more questions these are okay. these are these are fun ones i promise it's just so fun it's just so fun to actually be able to like to talk like about this stuff with another like watch reviewer no you know what me. i mean um because michael and i don't do this very often because <laughs> because michael, michael and i tend to hate everyone but we like you so it's different you know what i'm saying oh, um what is the worst fucking watch you've ever reviewed on this channel? Like the one where you just like you couldn't control or, or I mean, you tend to be pretty, pretty chill on these. But is there one and I haven't seen all of them. Is there one where you're just like, this is the worst fucking watch to happen ever? Oh, that's a really good question. Let me scroll the list. Yeah, I I try to do pros and cons. I don't I try not to dig into something super hard Yeah, because I try to always caveat like there's a lot of reasons that people will buy a watch and the last thing I don't have like goals like I'm never going to push a corporate narrative if anyone ever gives me a watch and is like you have to give us a positive review I'll be like I don't care like that's, yeah. I'm not doing that for this. Here's your watch and, back. Yeah. yeah exactly and I don't the thing I feel bad about is like I don't want to really rip something because what I find is a lot of people watch watch reviews after they purchase the watch. They're almost looking for like validation of their choices really? a little bit. Like a lot of the comments oh. I'll get is like, oh, I have this. I love it. And like I'm trying to create like a positive. This is so cheesy, but I just want people to have a good experience. Yeah. So I don't I will say if I don't like something or if I think it's bad or there's bad aspects of it, but I try not to just like rip into something. Right. Um, that's fair. So I do. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I haven't. I'm trying to think. The watches that impress me the least. Oh, this is going to be a hot take, I guess. <laughs> I Timex. I love that they're doing mechanical stuff. Yeah. I think they're wildly overpriced, and I think they sell well. Yeah. But 
I just, so for example, I did a review of the Timex Expedition North Mechanical. It's their new hand wind. It looks a lot. They're basically trying to zero in that space. There's the uh, Hamilton one that looks almost exactly the same. Mm. Um, but they put like a seagull movement in it, which is, I guess that's fine. But I would really like to see, I think they're writing their brand a little bit because I think what happens is a lot of people, and I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of people will, you know, it's they'll trust the Timex brand and they'll grab it. And I don't think there's any problem with that for like if you're a one watch person and you're going to get someone a nice gift and you get them a mechanical Timex, mm -hmm. that's a perfect choice. But with a watch nerd in me, like, I don't know, I think they're, I almost feel like they get away with murder on some of these watches. I will, I will say I think what we're feeling is Timex realizing when they first started to like do some cool things that caught Michael's and my's attention, Michael and I's, whatever the fuck the phrase is, like caught Michael and like our attentions. Like when they first started kind of like getting on the radar, I think it was around the time they started doing like the Marlin stuff and they started doing some fun stuff with the MK1 line. Like Watch Nerds started to pay attention and um, like Michael and I made a bunch of comments about like, oh, Timex is our new fucking darling. Suck it, Seiko. Because this is also around the time when Seiko was just kind of going out of their fucking minds. You know what I mean? Like all the 5KX stuff and like Seiko 5s are costing XYZ more and now something with a 6R 3.5 or whatever it is, it's like a thousand bucks. Like around that time, Timex got a lot of passes and like got a lot of attention. I think we're on the tail end of that where Timex is like, yeah, everything we do is awesome. But I, is it? Yes. I wonder <laughs> if maybe that's it. And I think they're so close. Like if this watch even if they had to charge like a little bit more for it, had like a, because the, they use Miyota movements. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it just, I don't really know where the cutoff is for price point. They even have a 9,000 series in that one. I forgot what it's called, but they have that really fancy dress watch and they use the well, Miyota so 9,000. But much yeah, is this watch? I think it's, ooh, let me look it up really quick. I want to say it's, it's north of $200. Timex. It's 229. And they put a sapphire crystal on it too. Uh, I mean, is that too high? I don't In know. price? Maybe it's not. But charge me like 240 for it and give me a Miyota movement. I guess that's my that's my my That's actually on it. that's actually a fine fucking argument. That that makes total sense when you when you phrase it like that. Or, because when um, you're Timex and you're buying movements. Mm -hmm. they're paying nothing for them on the scale they're buying them for. Yeah, they're probably buying like like, like pallets and like ships worth of fucking movements. You know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah. Like I can, you and I can go on to eBay and buy an NH35 for like 30 to $40. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you're buying a you know, hundred thousand of them or whatever. They're not paying 40 bucks a month. Yeah, these mass manufactured movements are not expensive, so... I think I'm I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you on this one. Charge me a few bucks more and put a Miyota in there. That would make me feel better, you know? Yeah, and I don't wanna be I think Seagull movements are probably fine. I maybe this is tainted by the fact that the one I got had a problem and I sent it mm -hmm. back, but I don't know. I just I would I just I like Miyota movements and I, that's what I'd like to see in there. That's just my, my two cents. My experience with the Seagull movements is they can't be used just immediately off the line. Like because the the in-house QC with Seagull movements is just not at the standard of everything else. So whoever actually ends up receiving the movement to put in their watch, they have to have some kind of QC or regulator 
on their end. If they don't, if they just get the movement for Siegel and throw it in a watch, you know, statistically, it's pretty high. You're probably going to have issues, you know? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's you need been, that's been my experience on the manufacturer side. Yeah, I don't think Seagull's ever going to do that because that's probably how they keep costs super low. But the brands have to do something. Like plenty of micro brands do, but like like the um, the Notice dudes are a good example. They don't use Seagull movements, um, but the Notice dudes they do all of their own QC and regulations in house, in addition to whatever their movements move manufacturers do. You know. Yes, yeah, so you're getting a really good result because it's almost yeah. going through two layers of QC and they're exactly. already starting with a product that probably doesn't have a very high error rate. Exactly. So that's the issue with the Seagull movements. I'm I'm hoping Timex probably puts these things through the rigor in terms of QC. It's not like they don't have the resources to, but you never know. Which movement, which movement, uh, which watch that you had that had a Seagull movement in it? This one, the Expedition Northfield. Oh, it was this one. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so you had a bad experience with this. Oh, that's funny. Okay. It was just acting erratically, which makes me think. I almost wonder. This is all speculation. Who knows? But when you're as big as Timex, it's so easy. Their return process is probably very, like it was flawless, right? So I wonder where they balance like QC and where they balance like, oh, we'll just take some returns. They, they do that. Uh, they do that Fight Club calculation, like the the insurance adjuster calculation. They probably just sent you a new watch and then tried to, I don't know, refurb or something, the old one. I don't really know. Yeah, I have no idea. But anyways, that's my hot take. Last question on the channel, I promise. I know I know we're probably talking about this way too much than you want to, but 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 you got to deal with it because the channel is really cool and I like it. What? Because I feel like every watch creator has this. I have this. I know Michael has his. Sure, you have yours too. What video did you create that you loved that you thought was going to kill it and no one watched it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely have that. <laughs> so I got a King Seiko, um, oh, cool. my, my retro one, and I was like, you know what? My videos, basically what I try to do is I it's gotten to the point where, um, you know, Tim Masso. Oh, yeah, of course. Box. I'm basically yeah. emulating him. I really like his reviews. I want that's why I like I don't show my face. I don't have mm -hmm. an intro. I don't have to do a wrist check. Strip out all the fluff and just give me like a rapid set of data. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I just want to know everything I need to know about the watch in like six minutes. There you and go. just strip out all the rest. So I try to emulate his style. He's amazing because he just does it like I, he just does it like as a hot take. It just like comes out of his brain fully formed. Like what I uh, picture is he has the camera set up. He has 10 watches next to him. And in the span of 20 minutes, he does all the videos. He just yes. goes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I am not. So I <laughs> I write a script and then I record wow. in basically voiceover. So it seems yeah. like I'm really smart like Tim Masso, but I am not. Um, I cannot. I think you're smart, man. <laughs> I can't. Well, yeah. Well, I, I might be smart, but I can't. Like the way he can just talk about a watch, like yeah. in an unbroken stream of consciousness. Without, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So, anyways, so mostly that's what I do. But for some reason, I thought, you know what? I'll try to make a video where, like, I when I first got into watches, I was watching TGV, and obviously, mm -hmm. I'm nothing like that. His production quality is amazing, and but I was like, I'll do one where I like do the history. And I kind of, you know, do some research and I show some still photos and talk about it. So I did one that's called Review and Brief History of the King Seiko 45 7001. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just I, not very many people watched it. And I put a ton of work into that one. So everyone go watch that fucking video. <laughs> We're going to link it in the show notes on the site. Go watch that fucking video. Hold on. What do you have to type into YouTube to get that video to show up? Oh, goodness. Let's, let's I find not. out. 
right now. King Seiko, King Seiko history. There's gonna be so many videos. That's the problem. Just go, go to YouTube. Type in King Seiko history. It's the first one I'm seeing. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Go to YouTube, everyone. Type that shit in. Watch the video. Just watch it. Review and brief history of the King Seiko. That's so cool. Yeah, everyone's, that, everyone's got something like that that they busted their ass on. Yep, that was my passion video, and then I was like, okay, this is a failed experiment. I'm going back to <laughs> I'm I'm going back to being poor man Tim Masso. You you know what mine was? The fucking um um. It had a really good initial impression, but the longevity I think has start to die down. The uh my haiku review. Do you remember I did a haiku review of my sumo? The coolest thing ever. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun working on it. It took me a lot longer than I think. I expected it to, but I remember I put it out there and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. And like people liked it for like a day or two. It got like cool attention. But then like, you know, the problem is the way and this is going to get fucking boring and shit. My I work at my day job. I work in um, in SEO and just getting things to rank, uh, you know, really well on Google when people just type in Google, like just just like search on Google, not for like a paid ad spot. And so. The problem with the Seiko, uh, the Seiko Sumo review is that there's not enough there for it to be competitive for SEO. So it doesn't rank very well. Oh, because it's it, just, yeah. It's just, it's just like, I don't know, a couple hundred words. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's like not even, it probably, the I don't know how any of that works, but it's like, this isn't an article, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, uh, Google ranks you for a particular term in regards to the competition for that term. So if the top 10 posts have these super long, thorough reviews and they're 2,000 words long and there's all this blah, 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 and then here comes fucking Cass from Two Broke Watch Knobs with 200 words and 10 images, they're like, well, everyone else that's re- that's ranking really well and getting good user behavior, they're all doing this thing. You're doing something else. We're not going to rank you for what you're trying to rank for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that makes sense. You, you fell outside the meta. It's whack. So like, I think that's why I'm mad because I knew, and I knew going into it, I'm like, this thing's it's a risk. The only way that thing is going to rank is if I get some crazy backlinks to it. Um, do, uh, do you know what a backlink is? No. Uh, basically a backlink in not just SEO, but like PR and marketing. A backlink is when another high authority site links to you that's a, that's a google oh that's a, that's a signal that google says that takes and says oh, okay these people know what they're talking about so if i got fucking like you know even though technically there are no follow links which is meaningless now if i got like wikipedia to link to my uh sumo review that would be a really strong seo signal and it would trump any other sort of contextual editorial pieces uh ed- editorial sort of like nuances like if i got really good high authority backlinks like if i actually fuck that if seiko if there Seiko links to my review, like, because then Google's like, whoa, the fucking maker of the watch is linking to his review, top of the list. You know what okay. I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah, it's like adding a ton of authority. Exactly. Then that would be, that would be, regardless of the editorial sort of setbacks on it, a strong backlink will always really do wonders. Um, that's your, that's, 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 that's enough SEO talk. Sorry. <laughs> No, that sounds cool. All right, side mission for the Slack. We're going to get Seiko to link to that haiku review. Please, it's not worth it. I'm sure Alex, we've already Alex, Alex and I are on it. Alex, <laughs> you're going to make it happen. I'll be like, hey, I'm the guy that leaked your catalog. Can we talk? Can we talk? <laughs> That's so good. 
but cool. Everyone, for for real, everyone, go check out um check out the YouTube channel. Just watches. How did you get that? How did you get that name? By the way, how was that not taken? I don't know to be <laughs> honest. I mean, I've I made it a couple years ago. <laughs> That's incredible to me. I'm just like, oh wow, yeah. The genesis of the name is I had an Instagram. And I didn't want to make a new one. I used my personal Instagram. I've subsequently made a new one. But I just, to signal to all my friends that this Instagram is no longer about me, I changed the name of it to Just Watches. It's just about watches. Yeah. <laughs> or I changed, like, the descriptor good. or whatever. And then when I went to make a YouTube channel, I was like, oh, that works. Perfect. I love it. Oh, well, here, let's do this. Oh, um, yeah, that was a very long housekeeping segment. But that's honestly, that was a ton of fun. I'm having a great time. But just also to put it out there, uh, check out the uh, the TBWS website, not just for the show notes on this episode to get a lot of the links for the stuff that uh, Jason and I were just talking about in regards to his channel, specific videos, but also check out the TBWS website, tubeofwatchups.com. By the time this sh- uh, show goes out, my Grand Seiko review um, should be up there. Long-awaited Grand Seiko review, long-awaited watch acquisition in the Grand Seiko. And this is probably a really appropriate segue to just kind of get maybe into the main topic 53 minutes into the show. This might be a new <laughs> This might be a new fucking record, dude. I had a feeling this is going to happen because I will also just go on off on tangents. So there's we we need Mike to pull us both back in, right? No, this is this is good. I love it when I love it when Mike pulls me in because there's like a hint of of like, "All right, man, come on, let's let's fucking get back on track." You know what I mean? Like I can hear it. I can hear it in his voice that he's not annoyed, but definitely he wants me to stop talking. You, know? you have a good synergy, though, because if, yeah, if if you and I did the podcast every week and we'd never get to the topics, we would just start talking about who knows what. Who needs topics, dude? <laughs> just talking about life and shit. But here, look, we, we probably should actually, actually, we probably should get to the, to the main topic. So the Grand Seiko review is a good kind of segue into this idea of, well, here, you, you say it. This is, this, this is totally your topic, and you put it much more eloquently than I could probably ever stumble through it. Talk to me about what you would kind of want to chat about in relation to the Grand Seiko. Yeah, okay. Well, it's the Grand Seiko and the Seamaster. So when I first started listening to the podcast, you know, you didn't have any Grail watches. You had this idea that you really wanted the Seamaster. And but these things and you were really interested in Grand Seiko. I remember the spring drive fascinated you. And there was the hashtag spring drive money for a long time. (laughs) And then I got fascinated in the spring drive uh, through your passion for it. Um, But but now here we are like in a much further place in life from those days and you're post purge. So you've done something I think a lot of people sort of want to do like uh, just like you've shed all the watches you feel like you don't need. You have this super tight, succinct collection and it contains two of your grails. So like, how do you feel now? In regards to like watch collecting and what does it feel like to have those things that you wanted? It's it's like it, there 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 there's two parts to it because there's two different feelings. There's the the, the purge because you can purge and not have any of your quote unquote grails, of which the concept is very very weird, which which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about more. But I feel. All right, this is gonna sound fucking stupid, but I don't give a shit because this is literally like. I guess our show so we can do whatever we want, bro. Um, I feel very Do you watch Futurama? Yes. Do you remember the episode when Fry was trying to drink a hundred cups of coffee? <laughs> I actually don't, but 
I, oh, I, I can it. imagine. Well, he 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 went to this entire experience and he was like, I'm gonna drink 100 cups of coffee. And he got like 10 and then 20 and 30. He's getting like shaky and all crazy. And then at 99, at 99, he was all tweaking and freaking out. And then he had the 100th cup of coffee and he had this like peaceful, almost like nirvana uh, moment of just like the heavens opening up. And he ascended and just reached this like level of like, um, what the fuck is the word I'm trying to think of? Peace? You know what I mean? Yeah. What I'm experiencing is not that dramatic, but it certainly feels like there's much less pressure. Okay. I feel so much less pressure because what I didn't realize I was doing, not just as someone with a watch collection and someone trying to express themselves through a watch collection, but I was someone with a watch podcast and with a with a with a watch website who people always reached out to and who people like like when when cast and Jupiter watch knobs gets a watch there's baggage there's, it's not I, I, I can't just buy a watch you know what i mean it has to be something that makes sense um in the context of you know cast and Jupiter watch knobs blah 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 cast no, is that- even my real fucking name which is really funny to me honestly um so that informed a lot of what I was doing. Cause like, I I'll tell you, I literally, I used to look at watches and be like, Oh, I love that watch, but eh, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to say. If I get that watch, I don't want it to look weird. Or like, I tried to remember an episode like, Oh wait, did I talk shit about this watch two years ago? Fuck. I can't remember. I can't buy it. Now I look like an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Ah, so you have like, <laughs> you had your entire audience and whispering on your shoulder. I just, all this baggage. Yeah. Like, I couldn't just be a dude that wanted to get a fucking watch. And then on top of that, there's the other part of, um, Michael and I had made this comment on previous episodes. I think you and I have talked about this, this concept of, um, throwing physical objects to fill a spiritual hole. All, all collectors, whether they want to admit it or not, do that. You try to solve something you're physically dealing with, or you try to solve something you're emotionally dealing with, like throwing something physical at it. Some people do it with drinks. Some people do it with comic books. Watch collectors tend to do it with watches. I think if I just find the right next watch purchase, or if I think if I just find the perfect three watch collection, I'll finally feel complete. That's a, that's a fuck ton of pressure. That's crazy. You know what I mean? And the sad part is it will never work. It's not. That's exactly it never works. You can't solve some. It's cliche, but you will, your problems are always going to be with you because they're a part of you. Like, it's not like chopping your hand off and oh, now my hand's gone. I dealt with that problem. It's and it's a really fucked up example, but it's like you know what I mean. Like you can't do something physically to address something you're emotionally struggling with. It 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 just life doesn't work that way. Um, also, the idea of emotional struggle is persistent. We were talking, you know, in the pre-talk, the, you know, um, uh, precepts of Buddhism, suffering, always going to suffer, that kind of stuff like that's like, like, so the all the whole idea of trying to collect and collecting in a way to make yourself feel better about something that you really shouldn't be struggling against in the first place, that also fucked up my watch collecting because I did that, you know? Yes. 
So to answer your fucking question, which I'm doing <laughs> in a very, really weird way, and I apologize, is I just feel so much less pressure. I feel so much less anxiety and pressure. I have my five watches. I'm going to get a sixth one eventually. Honestly, I'm probably not going to get that sixth one for a while because you want to talk about like like not watch purchasing pressure. Instead of buying, I wanted to I wanted to put money into that two-year Black Bay 36. Um, I think I talked about that on a previous episode. That is going to be my sixth watch, but I'm not buying it anytime soon. I'm taking that money and I'm and I'm 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 going to start crushing student debt. Oh, and excellent! You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I don't feel the pressure to get that watch right fucking now to prove something about myself. Like, oh, I'm a six watch. I have a six watch. So I'm like, who gives a fuck, man? You know As what I'm saying? You've transcended. <laughs> you really are the watchmaster the slack thinks you are. I don't know. I don't. It's definitely. It's not. It's still laundry. Yes, man. we talked about that. <laughs> it's it's like, not. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Af- oh no! Is that concept of uh, there's a book I think it's called After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. It's a Jack Cornfield yeah. book, but it's basically talking about if you do, if you're fortunate enough to come to peace with yourself in the universe, and you, you know, you recognize that there is not really an external solution to like your stability and your place and your happiness. It's, you know, a lot of it comes from within and the way you're relating to the universe around you. After that, you still have to do the laundry. <laughs> like you don't just get to heaven doesn't open up and you don't transcend into heaven, right? Like right? you're still a physical being that will live and will have to deal with all the bullshit that life is going to throw with you just maybe you have slightly better tools to deal with it than you did before. Yeah. And well, that's a win. But that's why I also don't like the idea of like, cause, cause like other people are like emailed, like not in the Slack and said like, like, Oh, it's crazy. Like you've, um, you've totally evolved. You've transcended. It's just like, no, like if you make a big deal about the concept of watch purging, you make this weird fictitious notion of transcending the reason you do something like, like, no, like, you the hardest thing we'll ever try to fucking do jason is to figure out what we like and buy just what we like that's fucking hard (laughs) well and like i think you're getting to the point where you're right like even the idea of the grail or the idea of the purge it's just another false solution to Mm. the true solution which is just being comfortable with like who you are and what you like exactly has nothing to do with watches it's everything to do with me I'm finally coming to terms where, not entirely, I'm okay with who I am and what I am. Sometimes. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And that's a huge, that's a huge, I think, I want to say, like, uh, the Dalai Lama, one of these, you know, spiritual practitioners said, like, Mm -hmm. if you are going to measure your progress, like, on working on yourself, do it once every 10 years or something like that. Like, interesting progress is so slow or like if you have a meditation practice and you know you 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 lose your temper from time to time and you you start sitting every day you you get more in tune with the things that you know trigger you losing your temper and maybe you don't lose your temper one time out of 10 times Mm -hmm. even though you're only 10 percent better like if you project that through the rest of your life, that's so many times you're not going to lose your temper. Yeah. So I think a lot of that stuff, like we're always too hard on ourselves and taking those little small victories is really important. And just knowing that they're, if you, you know, they're going to cascade into the future. So. Yeah, totally agree. You know, it's just, it. 
to, to, yeah, to, to answer your question in a very belabored way, I don't feel pressure to try to do or prove anything with the watches that I have. I'm almost like not even looking at it as a collection because a collection implies maybe a lot more impetus towards action than it probably should. My watch... The watches I constitute as my collection have no bearing on my day-to-day. It's the little pieces of metal and fucking glass or whatever. Like, I like watches. I still like wearing my watches, but nothing on my day-to-day hinges on them, which is why I'm like, yeah, eventually I'll get a uh, that Black Bay 36. But honestly, I'd rather just crush my student debt right now and just, like, just throw money at that shit, you know? Yeah, that's wonderful. And are you not hunting constantly? Because I find... Like, I find most of my suffering that comes around collecting is, like, constantly looking for the next thing or, like, you know, like, refreshing watch recon every single day and, like, scrolling through everything that's available. Like, that constant hunting. I don't do that anymore. I used to do it bad, though. I'll tell you. Okay, so this is actually the really funny thing. If I wasn't an emotionally damaged person when I first started collecting and if I didn't hunt the way you're describing, I would not have acquired such an affinity and breadth of knowledge for Sylvia watches that I have now. Because the only reason I learned so much about Sylvia watches is because I spent so long hunting them to fill my emotional hole with something physical. But it had a positive outcome. Now I know about all this fucking stupid shit with watch, with Sylvia watches. You know what I'm saying? But like, it, but like recently, God, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I actually hunted. I'll tell you, it was about two years ago. It was about two or so years ago. It was either just before I moved, just before we bought this place and moved into it, or just after I was, um... oh no, see, this is, this is the funny, this is the funny thing. So I guess it means, I guess there's two kinds of hunting. Okay. There's the hunting where I have an idea of what I want and I'm seeing if it exists. I did that actually with my Grand Seiko. Yeah, I love that story. You know what I mean? I know I wanted the Grand Seiko. I wanted the quartz one. I wanted something from the Heritage Collection. I wanted something roughly in a certain price range. And like, I kind of clicked around and eventually sort of stumbled upon this one. The Kaz Teal one. It was destiny. (laughs) It was destiny. Of course I'm going to buy this one. (laughs) The one that's fucking teal. (laughs) And I love how you said you saw it and then... You, you lost it. Well, because, like, okay, it was, like, two or whatever. It was, like, some fucking uncrappy hour. I was, I was, I was, I was thinking about it. And then I was, um, I was on Seiya Japan because I did go, I went back and forth between the Citizen, one of the Citizen Chrono Masters or, or a 9F uh, uh, Grand Seiko. And both are on Seiya Japan's website. And I was going back and forth between the two. And at a time, I went to click on the Grand Seiko section of his website. I think I must have caught it when he was in the middle of doing a website update or something. Because I clicked over onto, like, page two of the Grand Seiko section. And it loaded. And then it kind of, like, blipped. And it showed up in, like, not English for a second. And for a split fucking second, the thumbnail... Of this watch was there, and I'm like, oh, what the, what the fuck is that? And then it went, and then it refreshed. It went back to the regular English page, and the watch was gone. And uh, I'm like, oh, I love that. What the fuck? 
It's like a glitch in the matrix and you saw right? something you didn't even know existed and then it disappeared again. I I never seen I'd never seen that grant. And so I started like I started like trying to Google. So like I I hunted this watch. I started Googling around like, oh fuck, well, what was it? like and so I'm, I'm trying to Google what I think it is. Eventually I find out it's a JDM model, which is why I've never seen it. And I found out the reference and then I emailed say it. I'm like, hey. I kind of saw this on your website, but I don't see it anymore. Can you get me this watch? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you want? It's like, uh, now? Amazing. He's like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so fucking. So, so that's one type of hunting. I knew, I knew what I wanted. The time when I kind of, the last time I aimlessly hunted, um, I, uh, there's a website. What's this? Uh, it's a Japanese proxy bidding website from from japan so it's okay. from japan.co. Uh, what the fuck dot jp or jp probably yeah yeah, yeah dot co dot jp um there's a whole bunch of jdm specific orient models that we never see here in america because orient usa is full of dog shit it's just <laughs> terrible don't buy from orient usa if you want to buy an orient just buy buy it from like a like a like a like a like a jdm store on just buy from say japan just go to say i bet say i could get you anything he, he, yeah he fucking any can J, any jdm model yeah 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 and he has you know he, uh, the, the, the one that you were asking me about that diver that's a jdm model i got from him. a limited edition jdm model that was sold out everywhere and that he, he got, got yeah that's so yeah. cool I don't know how he just he just found it in the back behind the break room fridge. <laughs> Do you have one of these in the back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Do you have one of these in the back in, in, in like a ten and a half? Oh yeah, yeah, I got one in here. Um, I I remember there was a while back where I was trying to recreate the magic of the Christmas Chrono. You know my Christmas Chrono? Of course. Part of it's part of my collection, like the ones that 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 made the cut. Um, I tried to recreate that magic, and so I remember around the time when I got I got this place, I was on fromjapan.co.jp, and I was just typing in Orient Neo 70s, because that's the product line of the Orient Christmas Chronos, part of the Orient Neo 70s line, and um, I would just scroll through and look at Orient Neo 70s models, trying to hunt for something that didn't really exist, I didn't really know what I was looking for. But I wanted it to try and enrapture me the same way the Christmas Chrono did when I first yes. saw it. You know? No, I totally understand that. It's like, I got to stop, too. It's like you're looking for something to want. It's like a double Ask. layer of suffering. Because you uh, can't find uh, the thing that you then want. I love the way you said <laughs> it. You're looking for something like, like, like you're looking for something to want. It's like, what the fuck? Ugh. Like, and you can't you find it. Yeah. yeah. It's God. horrible. You're torturing yourself on like two levels. God, so good. So yeah, that so that's one type of hunting. A horrible one. And then there's the type that I did when I when I went on this fucking weird ass sojourn to somehow discover this Grand Seiko model. Um, yeah. I, so it's just so, so to kind of take it back to the original but just to the question, I guess how do I feel? I mean, obviously I feel I mentioned not feeling any pressure. I don't really hunt for watches anymore. I still love watches. I still put a watch on every day. Uh, I put a watch. So I have to do a bunch of video calls for work because um, I have to chat with a bunch of people. I always throw a watch on before a call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's part of getting ready for me. So it's just, um, 
But the funny thing is, and I make this point in my in my um, and you can tell me if I'm talking too much. Man, am I talking too much? Or are you cool? No, we're great. Okay, I may I make this point um, in my Grand Seiko review on the on the twobrokewashknobs.com website. In order for me to actually feel the way I feel now, post Grail and to the Grails, you know, it's the it's the Grand Seiko and it's the Omega Seamaster, um, gracefully gifted by. Like you with the Slack community, like all the Patreon Slack community. I'm going to get you fuckers back for that one day. Um, post all that stuff. Looking back on how I was as a collector when I first fell in love with Grand Seiko. And, you know, this the concept, this idea of the, of the GoldenEye uh, Omega Seamaster. If I got my grills then, they would have been wasted on me. Oh, I love that you just said that. That's so cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I know it would have been a fucking waste. Like, if my first watch was a Grand Seiko SP, blah, 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 it'd be like, all right, cool, whatever. Because I was a fucking idiot back then. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's, it represents the, I mean, it's been a long time. It represents the journey. And I feel like to really appreciate where you're at now, you had to go through all these previous stages. Yeah. So, if you take any, so folks listening at home, there's anybody even still listening anymore. If there's anything that I think I would want to emphasize, it's not because I hate when people say, oh, why don't you save up and buy a Rolex? Be like, well, fuck you. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, what if it would be, people, it would be wasted on you. You would have, wasted. you'd have no idea what you were getting into. Like, it's the same thing with like, it's the exact same thing with my craft beer hmm. uh, hobby. Like, the, yeah, maybe you could just start drinking like Pliny the Younger. It's like one of the best beers you can drink. And like you would yeah. like it, but I really don't think you would appreciate what it actually is unless you had drank a thousand beers to get there or whatever. Maybe and I feel maybe. like it's the same thing with the, you know, the end game of watches or whatever. Even and some people don't even want to go that far. But like, yeah, you would not appreciate it. Yeah, I have to drink like like a thousand Keystone Lights to properly understand something better than that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the true beauty, if you're passionate about any hobby, is you can still enjoy all aspects of it. So you can still put, I can still put on my Invicta and I still love this watch. And I can still drink, if I'm in the mood for it, a Keystone Light and I can enjoy it <laughs> for exactly what it is. It has right. a purpose. It has a place. So, and that's what I've always loved about. I always say that if I didn't run into your podcast, I would have never lasted in the watch universe because... In many ways, the space is <clears throat> like dominated by wealth enthusiasm and, oh, yeah, you just why? Why would you buy those shitters? Like, just save your money and buy a Bro, Rolex. You got to like, evolve, evolve your collection. I've heard people say that before. You know what I mean? It, all of that is so stupid. And it's like yeah. what we talked about today is like it's all about just becoming <laughs> it's all it comes down to yourself at the end, like just becoming comfortable and just doing what you want to do and just like turning out all that noise like you're on your own specific journey and like yeah. people people can give you advice but ultimately you know yourself and that's the only person uh that that's really important in the end yeah it's tough though it's just but like to the point we were just talking about that process is necessary for you to understand or really appreciate a grill. Because to your point, in my quote-unquote six-watch collection, I have still my little $70 SNK literally right next to my Grand Seiko. Like, they're literally next to each other. And they can exist in the collection. Whereas the really annoying trope that people say is like, um, 
I was talking to someone at work and uh, they were like, um, and we were talking, we were, you know, I learned recently that they were a watch collector. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, what do you, you know, uh, what are your favorites right now? And they named like two or three kind of expensive watches. And then the phrase was, and then a bunch of cheap crap. It's like, well, don't, don't say that, man. Yeah. Even, like I Shitters. said, I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, 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 he, he, he said a bunch of, and a, 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 like a bunch of cheapo things I bought when I first started out. I'm like, like, don't, don't look at them. And I said, I'm like, don't look at them like that. Like those watches are important. Like regardless of what everyone says, more people have it Invicta to thank for getting them into watches than, you know, they're probably comfortable, like admitting, like we should all be very thankful to Invicta. Even yeah. if everyone shits on them. Invicta got all of us into watches in some capacity. Fuck you, nerds. Totally. And <laughs> one person's shitter is another person's grail. I hate that elitism of like, oh, this is shit. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a shitter. Like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you can say that. But <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Thanks for telling me you're an asshole, bro. Yeah. I really appreciate the candid nature of this conversation <laughs> we're having right now. So, but no, I've, but there's definitely like, I, and I feel like you guys have channeled into it. There's like, and I think most of the community is really positive, but there are those like dark sides you got to watch out for. It's going to happen. That's the problem that's going to happen is because especially when you, and this happened to me when, and I, I, I'm sure this happened to you too, so I feel like we've talked about it. I first got into watches. I got on Instagram to look at watches and I saw all of these. I thought there was something I had to do. I thought there were boxes I had to check in order for me to constitute myself as a watch collector. Like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to break a thousand bucks. Or like, oh, I got to go and get my first Rolex and blah, blah, blah. But we only think that because we just, we consume and are, are influenced by media that kind of uh, just puts that in our faces. So if you're exactly. struggling, if you're struggling with that, just burn your Instagram. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so what yep. you are you still hunting? What are you hunting for? You mentioned uh, that you were doing it recently. To fill emotional void. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are you trying to fill your emotional void? Your emotional void with Seikos, Islanders. Um, well, I play with the. I do want a Grand Seiko someday. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. You guys talked about, yeah, the uh, the white birch. So for me, it's always been the mechanical aspect. Yeah. So that I think and part of the reason I don't know if you guys knew this. So I'm going to get to be a, I'm going to get to watch nerd, the watch nerds. But I think part of the reason that Grand Seiko White Birch won is because they made a new caliper, a caliber in it, the 9S A5. Oh. And it's Grand Seiko's version of now I'm too stupid to understand any of this, but it's like it's basically their coaxial. So, oh, I didn't so, know that. Which is really cool. It's really exciting because like most the dual, I know a little bit, so I'll try to say what I know, and I'm sure you can send your send your hate mail to Kaz and tell him Jason's an idiot. He didn't know what he's talking about. Send send all of Jason's hate mail to me, everyone. Yes. All right. <laughs> but in the traditional uh, escapement, the lever escapement, the Swiss one, mm -hmm. you have two pallets, but they're both doing two functions. They're yeah. locking the train, and then they're doing a they're sending an impulse to the balance. Um, but since they have to do both functions, they're inefficient at both because they're so the coaxial movement, I believe, has four pallets and each one is designed to do just one role. So it can be designed more properly to efficiently do that role. I think 
I don't understand if it's exactly the same. I've watched, <laughs> there's these videos you can watch, Kaz. They're so stupid. No one watches them. If you go to Grand Seiko, their YouTube channel, which they only have 10,000 subscribers, they'll do, they do these movement videos. They're like two minutes long where they explode. They play this like epic music <laughs> and they do like an explode view and then they like build the movement like one piece at a time. It sounds like they hired Christopher Nolan to put these videos together. Yes, and it's so absurd when you start to think about it. Like, um, it's so much resource and intellect going into building an antiquated technology. Mm. It's 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 pretty fascinating. But I, I'm drawn to these things. But yeah, so basically, they have their version of the coaxial movement where it's designed to be more efficient than the traditional escapement. Which I think that's really cool because. Grand Seiko has always been good about this is like they make amazing watches, but they also push boundaries like in the movement space. So mm. I think that's why that watch got a lot of attention because it's it's that special escapement and then it's a high beat, which I think is the coolest thing ever when you do the 36,000 vibrations per hour. Yeah, it's just like a weird flex of like it doesn't have to be this high, but we're going to and then they did a twin barrel. So it's 80 hours. So not oh, only is it beating way faster or, you know, that percentage faster, which then kind of eats through your power reserve, but they twin barreled it. So then it has an 80 hour power reserve. So it's like, and Hey, it's look at us. Yeah. We're wow. high B and our watch has a longer power reserve than yours. Like just get on our level. You know, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty big flex, I think from Grand Seiko. I and, appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Cause I think, yeah, George Daniels invented the coaxial and then Omega eventually took it on and mass produced it. But it's, that's like a huge risk. And you know, it's not like, I don't, that's like ultra nerd stuff. Like, I don't know how many people really care about coaxial escapement, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, I think people would still buy Omegas if they didn't exist, but to see I mean, Grand kind of doing the same thing is like, I love that. It's, it's I that. Think the coax, I think the coax technology in Omegas is pretty sweet. I just had no idea that this Seiko, this was their kind of version or their take on that. I, I didn't see any of that. in like the stuff I was looking at, it was just like, you know, for the first time in blah, blah, blah years, Grand Seiko makes the list. Like you, you don't see anyone go into the details so i appreciate the breakdown so i can appreciate maybe some other nuances of why that watch really took it you know yeah and i mean that's one of the cool things about watches is it's this intersection of like art design fashion wealth enthusiasm and mm -hmm. and and mechanics like and i think people appreciate watches for different reasons but i've always been super drawn to the mechanical side of it that's cool so it, you're, you're not super is it that is it that quartz just like just doesn't fascinate you in the same way mechanical watch does, or it's just something about like a battery in the mix that's just not doesn't really click with you? Yeah, I don't. I think like the nine F quartz that kind of stuff is amazing. Right. Um, but, but what really drew me in when I got this Invicta was it's just the concept of the machine. Mm -hmm. It's the little machine, this impossibly small machine. Yeah. I don't know. It's something about that that really resonates with me. It's it's a small machine that's self-perpetuating. It doesn't need an external power source. Like literally everything it needs to function, it has with it. It just needs you to maybe <laughs> put some energy in the barrel. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's just your waste energy. Like, oh, you happen to be moving and it's capturing this infinitesimally small fraction of that energy and then powering itself. That's actually a really badass way of putting it. It's literally energy that would have been, would have been wasted anyway. Yeah. So let's harness it and put it into the into the watch that's that's pretty cool especially if you have like an automatic just like rotor on there if you're just walking around doing stuff 
Yeah, totally. And it is why I think Spring Drive is that's the height. Of, mm. To me, like so that's the height of the of the of a watch movement because it's that perfect fusion of mechanical and quartz into this like impossibly accurate, impossibly I used, elegant. I used to be obsessed with the the snow the fucking snowflake. Everyone everyone loves the snowflake. The snowflake spring drive watch. I don't I don't think I want a spring drive or I don't feel the need to have a spring drive anymore. Yeah, which feels yeah. weird. Because I really wanted one for a long time. Yeah, you did. I remember. Hashtag spring drive money. <laughs> spring drive money. You know, spring drive money is dead, apparently. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's just um maybe my perspective will change. Cause it would probably it would be folly to think that this is the way I'll feel forever. I feel like. You know what I mean? Yes. Um maybe one day my perspective will change, but right now I don't I don't even know what fucking spring drive models are out there, but I'm so removed. I don't even know what's like new. <laughs> that's good. You're like in a healthy place. I need to get there. And that is, that's the beautiful thing too, is like, I think after that initial frenzy of getting into the hobby, you can come to this like balanced place. Or like, I like watches. I wear a watch every day. I don't refresh watch recon 10 times. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Well here, let's do this. We're at like an hour 25. Do you want to spend a few minutes talking about Rivka? Because you wanted you wanted to make sure we had enough time to talk about Rivka. Yeah, let's really briefly cover it. Uh, I wanted to ask you as an OG, because I, I just remember when you were super into Rivka, you were 3D printing, and I just had this vision of Kaz, the mad scientist, like running his 3D printer all day long, filling the room with heat and gases. And, you know, I, and then um, I just wonder kind of what happened to all that. I was doing that and like I was uh, I was going the full Dr. Frankenstein. My wife was walking around like Eeyore with like a limp, like just handing me things like just total full mad scientist. I mean, no, like I was saying in the pre-talk, that wasn't actually far off from the reality. My wife wasn't walking around like Eeyore, but I was like in a room full of like fumes, just tinkering with G-code and fucking CAD and all this bullshit and everything like that. But it's um the riff thing like we're talking about the pre-talk it's still very special to me it's still very passionate for folks who might be newer and aren't sure what i'm talking about rivka was sort of this i really got into the concept of rig uh, of, of, of rivka at a really like fucking weird time in my life uh it's the idea of i want to 3d print a watch like like that's basically i was super into 3d printing at the time I still am. My, my printer's fucking old as shit now, though. Um, and I was super into watches. I still am, but I have I have less watches now than I did back then. Um, and so it was this idea that I wanted to 3D print a watch. And uh, I wanted to give it a shot. And so I started doing it, started trying it, um, putting stuff together in CAD and really trying to print it and then playing around with different materials. I started with PLA like everyone fucking does. And then eventually you get super weird with materials, I mean, the, the, what's available now, what you can extrude out of a machine now is fucking totally different than what was available to me years and years ago when I was still into printing. But basically, that was the idea. I wanted to try to print a case. I wanted to print a dial. I wanted to print hands. I wanted to print markers. I wanted to print a case back, which was the really fucking hard part because printing two pieces that connect or screw into each other is very fucking difficult. Because the tolerances that you deal with with the 3D printer are so varied and inconsistent, it's hard to mass produce things that can fit or click into um, click into each other like that. So 
I was giving that a shot and then I was sharing like photos of it on like the Instagram and people were like, oh, this is super cool, blah, blah, blah. And then like I had this weird idea. I'm like, oh, man, maybe this is like how I start a brand. Maybe this is like maybe Rivka can just be like a watch brand or something like that. And like basically it's still something I'm super passionate about. But with the length of time that has passed from the last time I've worked on it, to the time now that uh, Jason, you and I are having this conversation, I would constitute what I've accomplished as failure. Like I basically failed at it. It's something I want to pick up again, but I did Rivka at a time where, um, oh man, do you remember, Jason, do you remember the story I told about, I was working at a place uh, back then and um, one of my coworkers, uh, mom or dad died that do you remember this story Ooh, maybe you'd have to go into it a little more i think so i was i was working at a place that was very fucking horrible um i was working for the mouse here in orlando i was working i was working on their digital I don't, it doesn't really matter people fucking know who cares i was working on the um the, the website digital production team i was building out like a like a website for the, the the for a website or whatever um for the cruise line website and uh, I was on I was on a team of people, and I was so work stressed and so work depressed, and I f- was in this spot where I was starting to come to this odd, dawning realization that this was the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I was going to go and I was going to walk into a building and I was going to swipe a card, and I was going to go in an elevator and I'm going to put my stupid little lunchbox down next to my fucking chair. I'm going to sit in the chair. I'm going to sit in that fucking chair for eight hours. And I'm going to sit here and type on a keyboard and do things that are meaningless until one day I just kind of die and everything just kind of just gets forgotten. Like that, like that was a weird dawning realization that I was kind of having at that time. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> if you've experienced that. <laughs> yeah. You see all time unfold before you and the older you get the possibilities, like the when you're young to see the, Youth is wasted on the young. I know that's been said, but when you're young, all the possibilities, like they spread out before you in infinite directions. And the older you get, that cloud shrinks and shrinks and shrinks because you're getting older and there's only so many ways you can take your life. So yes, I've had that moment. (laughs) Everything in my life has always come and gone. Money, happiness, emotional wellness, feelings of fulfillment, those have always come and gone. The only thing that's ever gone and never come back is fucking time. And I wasted a lot of it. I wasted so much of it, not just at that place, but uh, just how I was kind of viewing my career back then. And this was also around the time when I was tinkering with, with, with Rivka. So I remember one day I was in the office. I went to the office. It was Friday, so it was free bagel day. Which is fucking depressing to me still, honestly, thinking about it. <laughs> this is when I could eat gluten. I can't eat gluten anymore because I'm fucking old and stupid or whatever. But like back then, it didn't matter. I was bulletproof or something. It was free. I remember it was free bagel day. And I go and I got a blueberry bagel. And I went and sat at my desk. And I had the bagel in my mouth and I was eating. And then all of a sudden, the person uh, in the cubicle next to me, his phone rings. And he answers it. He's trying to be quiet, you know. And then um, he sounds distressed. And he's just he's just like, what? And he's like, okay. Okay, okay, I, I, I have to go. I have to go. And he hangs up. Um, and then he starts sobbing. Mm-hmm. I'm eating my bagel. And he just starts sobbing. And like everyone's like, everyone around me under, like, can feel, can hear him sobbing. So we're like, okay, what's going on? So we all kind of like walk over. We're just like, oh, hey, what's wrong, man? And he um, he's sitting in his chair and he turns around and he looks up 
from just crying in his hands and he just goes uh, and he goes my mom my mom just died and it's just like i remember this is this is how fucking selfish i am i was in the middle of eating my bagel and so i didn't know if i was supposed to keep chewing so i just had this like big mouth of bagel when this dude just told me his mom died and i'm like fuck do i just sit here with this bagel hanging out of my mouth or do i just keep eating do i excuse myself do i spit i don't know what to do you know what i mean yeah there's still laundry that was like, 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 that was like a weird moment for me. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like your mom's dead. Dum, 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 eating my bagel. And he's like, my, my, my mom just died. And um, it's just like, wow, go, get out of here. We're all just like, yeah, dude, yeah. go, we'll cover for you. And he's like, no, 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 I, I, I got to finish what I'm starting here. And it's just like, and we were all like, fucking, like, get out of here, go. He's like, no, 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 here, I just, let me finish this, you know, you know, and, no. then, and then I'll try to leave early. Dude, he stayed. Oh, my gosh. He stayed, and that fucked me up. That's haunting, yeah. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to fucking do that. And that was around the time when Rifka was really front and center, like, of my mind. Um, I quit that weekend. Like, I, I quit really, really soon. Maybe it wasn't that weekend. It was maybe the weekend after. I quit really soon after that. And I went full force into Rivka. I was, I was, I was jobless. I was jobless for months, and I was living on savings because I was trying. I was trying to build out TBWS to be something that would be like my job, and I was trying to build out Rivka as this really aggressive response to how I felt, um, not just in the moment when that poor dude's mom died, but just how to try to make up for how I feel like I fucked up viewing my time professionally like for all the previous years of life fucking put myself into it for so long the problem is and this is where shit gets practical 3d printing something um to a standardized format at least back then fucking impossible there's way too many variables it's too inconsistent um printing technology back then when i was printing wasn't that great it's fucking awesome now I was I, in the pre-talk. I was giving you this example, um, Jason. Uh, back then, I had to manually level my print bed. Yeah, now, like, I like had to turn knobs and use a fucking business card or like use a piece of paper to actually get the nozzle and bed distance right. Now it's all automatic. Now there's like sensors and shit. You know what I mean? I was throwing, yeah. I was throwing rocks at UFOs. And you said that took like thirty minutes just to do that task. Oh, dude, because I'm fucking incompetent. So it took me forever to level my print bed back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I'm the only the only reason I'm I'm harping on that example is to illustrate how primitive my printing resources were, and just what was available back then, all those years ago. Um, I had I had an old MakerBot, I had an old MakerBot replicator for anyone else that prints. That's 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 what I was using. And um, so for months and months and months, I tried it. I ate all my savings. Um, my wife was starting to get really worried. And as like a spouse, that's 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 when you know that's a position that I don't think a spouse ever wants to like put themselves in as the source of their spouse's stress. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know? So my 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 wife was starting to get worried because like the the savings account was going down and like um I that was <laughs> that was around the time I think that was around the time I sold the Orient Star GMT. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to sell it. I, you, I needed, you had to. Yeah. I needed, I needed to feed my fucking wife. 
Um, I was selling stuff. I stopped doing stuff. There was a span of time, not just then, but for a while I was broke. I, um, did you ever not fill up your gas tank? Yeah. In college. I, yeah. Where you yeah. just put like five bucks in. Exactly. Then, exactly. Yep. For years, I never put more than five bucks in my gas tank at a time. Yep. I remember the first like paycheck I got from my quote unquote real job. I filled my gas tank to the top and I was like, wow, I made it. That feels good. <laughs> right. Yep. For me, I was um, I was enraptured with the number 500 because back then I had one credit card and the limit was $500. And I was obsessed with that number because everything I did, I had to then figure out how I could fit it into 500 bucks and not um, put myself in a spot where I couldn't pay that shit off or right. – sit on the debt for too long so every five everything related back to 500 bucks and i would lose my fucking mind you know what i mean um because i was also trying to do the stupid i don't know this is like a man thing or what but i was trying to do a stupid spouse thing where i was trying to just live life normally and feel like i could give my wife whatever she wants and we could go out for dinner and have it not be a real big deal but like you know i would go to the bathroom and frantically fucking check my like balance to make sure i could actually afford Dinner. you know what yeah. i'm saying like yeah. that like but i didn't want to do that in front of her right because i didn't want to have her but like but it, with all the rifka stuff it came to a head like it was i could not do that without her becoming very aware that money's going down the nose there's like paychecks aren't coming in because she was working at the time but like it was it just wasn't really enough to sustain us in the same way sure that it was before and uh it got to the point where literally if I didn't stop working on Rivka and get the most bullshit fucking job that I, I did, I got, I got like a fucking, like, like a really shitty fucking job. If I didn't do that, like we would have just started missing like rent payments. Yeah. And if you miss one rent payment, that's just cascade failure. Yes. Because you got to pull from something else and then you miss a payment on something else and then you're mega fucked. There's no escape from that. Yeah. No. That shit haunts you. Um, so that's the really fucking weird and probably oversharing dramatic story. I had to choose. I was, I was, I was, I wasn't stupid enough to not quit. Sure. Well, and I, <laughs> I, that's a really beautiful story because I like that you kind of reevaluated what you wanted to do with your time and you did this passion project, but then you were also, you know, you've realized, hey, like maybe this isn't the right time for it. And it maybe it's something maybe you'll return to in the future. I could totally see that. I want to see retired Kaz with like white hair, just print, <laughs> with some super sophisticated 3D printing, whatever they have in like 30 want, years from now. I want to get a new printer. Um, the, the printing technology, like I paid a fuck ton of money for my replicator back in the day. But like these days now for like a fraction of what I paid, you can get a really baller ass machine i, I kind of want to get back into it but um but if i didn't make that choice i'm in a much better place now like yes. i'm i'm in a job situation now that's really great my wife and i are super happy i don't have any of that same financial stress i have grand seiko money now which is really fucking weird to say in all honesty um just based off like after like reliving everything i just kind of talked through right yeah. now but after but, that, yeah. <laughs> after all that, but um, if I didn't make that crucial choice of like, fuck, I have to stave off the demon of debt right fucking now, you know, yeah, the choice, no. the, the choice was Rivka or like everything else, and so I, I chose everything else. 
Well, and I think part of Rivka was you, you almost had to do that to get to where you are now. That's the way I kind of look at it. It was that where you shifted your priorities and you said, I don't want to be on this desk that I hate for the rest of my life. And I haven't been in an office since. Yeah. I haven't gone back. Everything I've done has been working from home, remote. Yeah. So the Rivka was a gateway to you figuring out your job situation into a place into a place where you were comfortable. So I think it served a purpose. I don't think it was a failure. Maybe that's the true story of Christmas. The true story. (laughs) That's kind of the whole, that's what we keep getting back to on the podcast, right? Got me out of the office. Yeah, the true story. But but in case anyone else was wondering, so I know there's a bunch of other OG TBWS folks who listen and were with me, like really, uh, really with me on that journey. That's where it is right now. Um, I would like to pick it back up. I was I was looking at printers the other week actually. I think I might want to get I think I should I think I probably should get a new one. Maybe start tinkering around again. Tinkering around also I put way too much pressure on Rivka. How the fuck was I supposed to make that work? Right. You know what you know what I'm saying? With all that pressure, maybe now is probably like a good time to kind of bring it back and tinker around again. Yeah, I think and just tinker. I don't. I think it, you could approach it differently if you're not like this needs to feed my family. <laughs> like I said, that was a response. That was just yeah. a really crazy aggressive response to that poor fucking idiot's mom dying, and then all the other shit I'd done in my life before that and everything. So yeah. Well, we're way over. We're way over time, Jason. I feel yeah. really bad. I feel like I've been talking your fucking ear off this entire yeah, time. Yeah, this is good. This is kind of a heavy one, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> is that a dog? Do you have a dog? No, nah, it's the neighbor's dog. Ah, damn it! Well, you see, a cat. A pet. I have a I have a cat and a dog, but my dog doesn't bark like that. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? A klee-kai, an Alaskan klee-kai. What is a klee-kai? It's actually really cool. Imagine a husky, but the size of a husky puppy, and it never gets any bigger. Oh, let me try. Click. How do you spell this? I can't spell it. Klee-kai. Um, yeah, it's an Alaskan klee-kai. It's K-L-E-E-K-A-I. Klee-kai. So if, oh. if you don't see them, you need something for scale, for reference. You need a banana for scale. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of look like huskies. But if you see one like next to a person, I've, you can see they're tiny. I've seen these before, but I assumed they were like miniature huskies or something. Or like teacup huskies, which I know is a thing, which is awful. You That's know what what every, I mean? Yeah, everyone thinks they're a puppy. In fact, if you bring a klee-kai to a dog park and there's, there are um, huskies there, they'll get really protective of it because they recognize they it's a baby. They think it's a baby, basically. <laughs> I'm a grown-ass fucking man. Get away from me. <laughs> so they'll come over to it and be like, oh, it's little, it's one of us, little us. So, That's yeah, very cool dog. Awesome. Your cat and dog get along? Uh, they have a strange relationship. <laughs> the problem is the dog is old and the cat is young. So the cat wants oh, to play okay. with the dog and the dog is like, don't bring Tired. my shit over here. <laughs> I just want to sleep. Oh, man. There must be peace. There must <laughs> be peace. Fair. Well, here, let's do this again. Sorry for fucking talking your ear off, but um, I hope people really enjoyed this episode. I know I had a fucking blast, dude, um, just hanging out. And I, I am sorry if I ended up oversharing or whatever. So if you if you had any issues with this episode and if you didn't like it, you can go fuck yourselves because it's a free, <laughs> a free podcast. And you literally could turn the show off at any time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if That's, you're still listening. Hi. If you're still listening, you only have yourself <laughs> to blame. Okay. 
Man, that's so good. Episode 226 of the Two Broke Washed Ass podcast. Podcast, what we've interestingly called the Grail. Now what? Which I think honestly was maybe 15 or 20 minutes of the show. So this is a this is a really good episode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tangents in there. A lot of tangents, but um, go and check out Jason's YouTube channel. Just watches. Go to fucking YouTube. Type in King Seiko history. Watch his video. Everyone has to blow that video up. It's important, okay? Everyone, I want to watch it after this. Okay. Everyone has to watch that video. It's not that good. <laughs> it has to be good. You worked on it. You put time into it. it has to be good. Um, go and check out Just Watches. Subscribe. It's really, really cool. Um, do you take, like, suggestions? Like, if people say, hey, it'd be cool if you reviewed this, is that something you, like, take into yeah, account? Yeah, of course. If there's something you want Jason to review, fucking let him know. Are you on, what's the Instagram handle? Like, is it exactly the same? Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get Just Watches on Instagram. So, oh. uh, yeah, I'm Just Watches 1. Ah, okay. Is it all one word? All one word. Okay. Find uh, and, and one is a numeral. Oh, so, so like, 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 like a single character, the number one. Yep, Just Watches Sweet. numeral 1. Find them on Instagram. Um, man, anything else you want to say or any closing thoughts uh, you'd want to go through? I, I really appreciate you doing this. This is really nice. No, all I want to say is it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful. I never thought I'd actually be on the podcast. So it's a little bit of a dream come true. And I had a really good time. So thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's not Shangri-La. It's, you know, it's a podcast. It's all good. <laughs> it's just cool. It's just cool to hang out, you know? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. It's just I, I appreciate you, everything you do, and this channel. Because creating watch content like... I don't think people realize just how much of a pain in the ass it is and how sometimes you do and put so many hours into something just to see the little view counter go up. You know what I mean? So I appreciate everything you do. I hope everyone goes and checks out Jason's channel. Um, I'll see you on the Slack, man. I guess it's that sad time. It is that sad time. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to say bye to everyone, and then uh, I'll uh, I'll close this out, and then I'll just hit stop recording, but but don't hang up, and then we'll say like bye properly. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this has been Jason, and this has been Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Wash Knobs. Later. <laughs> <laughs>